Section 1 of Apology by Tertullian. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by David Ronald. Apology by Tertullian. Translated by Charles Dodgson. Section 1. If it be not allowed you, lords of the Roman Empire, sitting above all, to judge, in an open and exalted spot, at the very summit almost of the city, openly to look about you, and publicly to examine what there be of the truth in the cause of the Christians, if in this instance alone your authority be either afraid or ashamed to make inquiry in public, touching the diligent use of justice, if finally, as hath just now happened, the enmity against this sect, having too much exercised itself in private condemnations, formeth an obstacle to their defence, let the truth be permitted to reach your ears even by the secret way of silent writings. She asketh no favour for her cause, because she fleeth no damned, summed up against themselves, impute either to fate or to the stars the impulses of a wicked mind, for they will not have that to be their own, which they acknowledge to be evil. But what doth the Christian like this? None is ashamed, none repenteth, save indeed that he was not such long ago. If he be marked down, he glorifieth, if accused, maketh no defence, being questioned, confesseth even of his own accord, being condemned, giveth thanks. What manner of evil is this, which hath not the natural marks of evil, fear, shame, shrinking, penitence, sorrow? What manner of evil is this, whereof he that is accused rejoiceth, whereof to be accused is his prayer, and its punishment his happiness? Thou canst not call that madness of which thou art proved to know nothing. If finally it be certain that we are never so guilty, why even by you are we treated otherwise than our fellows, that is, than other guilty men, since for the same guilt the same treatment ought to be introduced? Whatever we be called, when others are called the same, they employ both their own tongue and hired advocates to commend their innocency. The liberty of answering or disputing is open to them, since it is not even lawful that they should be condemned, undefended, and altogether unheard. But the Christians alone are allowed to say nothing which may clear them, which may defend the truth, which may make the judge not unjust, but that alone is looked to, which is needed for the public hatred, a confession of the name, not an examination of the charge. Whereas, when ye take cognizance of any criminal, although he confess to the name of a murderer, or a sacrilegious, or an incestuous person, or a public enemy, to speak of their own titles, ye are not content at once to pronounce him such, without inquiring out also attendant circumstances, the quality of the act, the number of acts, the place, the manner, the time, the accessories, the accomplices. In our case there is nothing like this, although it were equally right that the fact be extorted, whatsoever charge be falsely thrown out, how many murdered infants each hath tasted, how many incests he hath shrouded in darkness, what cooks, what dogs were present? Oh, how great the glory of that magistrate, if he should hunt out one who hath already eaten a hundred infants! But we find even inquiry into our case forbidden, for the second Pliny, while governor of a province, when some Christians had been condemned, some degraded, being nevertheless troubled by their very numbers, asked of Trajan, then emperor, what he should do for the future, alleging that, excepting their obstinacy, in not sacrificing, he had discovered nothing else touching their religious mysteries save meetings before daybreak to sing to Christ as God, and to form a common bond of discipline 
forbidding murder, adultery, fraud, perfidy, and other crimes. Then wrote Trajan back that this sect should not indeed be inquired after, but, when brought before him, must be punished. O sentence necessarily confounding itself! He forbiddeth that they should be inquired after, as though they were innocent, and commandeth that they should be punished, as though guilty. He spareth and rageth, winketh and punisheth. Why, O sentence, dost thou overreach thyself? If thou condemnest, why dost thou not also inquire? If thou inquirest not, why dost thou also acquit? For tracking robbers through all the provinces, military stations are allotted. Against men accused of treason and public enemies, every man is a soldier. The inquiry is extended to the accomplices, even to the accessories. The Christian alone may not be inquired after, but may be brought before the court, as though inquiry had any other object than to bring him thither. Ye condemn him, therefore, when brought before you, whom none would have inquired after, who, I suppose, hath already deserved punishment, not because he is guilty, but because, when not to be inquired after, he was found. So then, neither in this do ye act towards us to the rule of judging malefactors, namely, that to others ye apply tortures, when they deny, to make them confess, to the Christians alone, to make them deny. Whereas, if it were a sin, we indeed should deny it, and ye by your tortures would compel us to confess it. Nor could you think that our crimes were therefore not to be inquired of by examinations, because ye were assured by the confession of the name that they have been committed, seeing that to this day from one who hath confessed himself a murderer, though ye know what murder is, ye nevertheless extort the whole train of circumstances touching the act. Wherefore, it is with the greater perverseness that, when ye presume our guilt from the confession of our name, ye compel us by tortures to go back from our confession, that by denying the name we may of course equally deny the crimes also, of which ye presumed us guilty from the confession of the name. But I suppose ye do not wish us, whom ye deem the worst of men, to die, for thus, doubtless, ye are wont to say to a murderer, deny the fact, to order the sacrilegious person to be torn with scourges if he persevere in his confession. If ye act not thus towards us as criminals, ye therefore judge us to be the most innocent, since, as though we were most innocent, ye will not have us persevere in that confession, which ye know must be condemned by you of necessity, not of right. One crieth out, I am a Christian, he saith what he is, thou wouldest hear what he is not. Sitting in authority to draw out the truth from us alone do ye labor to draw out falsehood. I am, saith he, that which thou askest, if I am, why torture me to unsay it? I confess, and thou torturest me. What wouldst thou do if I denied? Certainly ye do not easily lend credit to others when they deny. Us, if we deny, ye forthwith credit. Let this perverseness be cause of suspicion to you that there may be some power lurking in secret, which maketh you its ministers against all rule, against the very nature of judicial trial, against even the laws themselves. For, if I mistake not, the laws command that malefactors be hunted out, not concealed, prescribe that such as confess be condemned, not acquitted. This the acts of your senate, this the mandates of your princes, this the government, whose servants ye are, determineth. Your rule is civil, not despotic. For with tyrants, tortures were used, for punishment also. With you they are tempered down to the examination alone. Observe therein your own law as necessary up to the time of confession. Now then, if they be anticipated by confession, they will be superfluous. Sentence must needs be given. 
The culprit must discharge the penalty due, not be discharged from it. Finally, none desireth to acquit him. It is not lawful to wish it, therefore neither is any compelled to a denial. A Christian, thou deemest a man guilty of every crime, an enemy of the gods, of the emperors, of law, of morals, of all nature, and thou compellest to deny that thou mayest acquit, whom thou wilt not be able to acquit, unless he deny. Thou quibblest with the laws, thou wilt have him therefore deny himself guilty, that thou mayest make him not guilty, unwilling to, as he now is, and not accounted guilty for the past. Whence this perverseness, not to consider this also, that more credit should be given to one that, of his own will confesseth, than to one who from compulsion denieth, or that when compelled to deny, he may not deny in earnest, and being acquitted, may, on the spot, behind the judgment seat, laugh at your rivalry, a Christian for the second time? Seeing then, that in all things ye deal with us otherwise than with other criminals, in striving for this one thing, that we be debarred from this name, for debarred we are, if we do what those who are no Christians do, ye may perceive that it is no crime which is called in question, but a name, which a sort of plan of rival agency persecuteth, aiming first at this, that men may be unwilling to know for certain that, which they know for a certain that they know not. Therefore also they believe of us things which are not proved, and will not have them inquired into, lest those things be proved not to be, which they had rather should be believed to be, so that the name opposed to that rival plan may, by its own confession alone, be condemned, on the presumption, not on the proof, of crimes. Wherefore we are tortured when we confess, and punished when we persevere, and acquitted when we deny, because it is a war about a name. Finally, why read ye that man a Christian from the tablet? Why not a murderer also, if a Christian be a murderer? Why is he not also a committer of incest, or whatever else ye believe us to be? In our case alone, ye are ashamed or loth to proclaim the very names of our crimes. If Christian be the name of no crime, it is very absurd that there should be crime in the name alone. What when the generality run upon an hatred of this name with eyes so closed, that in bearing favorable testimony to any one, they mingle with it the reproach of the name? A good man, Caesius, only he is a Christian, so another. I marvel that that wise man, Lucius Titius, hath suddenly become a Christian. No one reflecteth whether Caius be not therefore good, and Lucius wise, because he is a Christian or therefore a Christian because wise and good. They praise that which they know, they revile that which they know not, and that which they know they spoil through that which they know not, whereas it were more just to prejudge things unseen by things seen than to precondemn the seen through the unseen. Others condemn in the very thing wherein in fact they praise, those whom in time past, before they had this name, they knew as vagabonds, worthless, wicked. In the blindness of their hatred, they fall upon commending them. What a woman! How voluptuous! How gay! What a youth! What a rake! What a man of pleasure! They have become Christians. Thus is this name applied to their reformation. Some even barter their own interests for this hatred, being content to suffer injury, so that they have not at home that which they hate. The husband no longer jealous, hath turned out of doors his wife now chaste. The father, patient before, hath disowned his now obedient son. The master, once lenient, hath banished from his sight his now faithful servant. As each is reformed by this name, he offendeth. 
Virtue is not in such account as hatred of the Christians. Now then, if the hatred be of the name, what guilt is there in names? What charge against words? Unless it be that any word which is a name hath either a barbarous or ill-omend, or a scurrilous, or an immodest sound. But the word Christian, as far as its meaning is concerned, is derived from anointing, and even when it is by you wrongly pronounced Christian, for not even of the name is there any certain knowledge among you, it is made from sweetness or from kindness. Wherefore, in innocent men a name, also innocent, is hated. But in truth the sect is hated in the name of its head. What new thing is it, if any school bring upon its followers a name from its master? Are not philosophers named from their founders, as Platonists, Epicureans, Pythagoreans, even from the place of their meetings and stations, as Stoics, Academics, so too physicians from Erasistratus, and grammarians from Aristarchus, and even cooks from Apicius. And yet the profession of a name handed down together with the institution from its founder doth not offend any. Clearly, if any hath proved the sect bad, and thus the founder also bad, he will prove the name likewise bad, deserving of hatred from the guilt of the sect and of its founder. And therefore, being hated the name, it were meet first to judge of the sect from the founder, or of the founder from the sect. But now, all examination and knowledge of either set aside, the name is laid hold of, the name is attacked, and a word alone precondemneth a sect unknown, and its founder also unknown, because they bear a name, not because convicted. And so, having as it were premised these things, that I might set a mark upon the injustice of the public hatred against us, I will now take my stand on the ground of our innocence, and not only refute the charges which are brought against us, but even retort them upon the very men who bring them, that in this also all may know that those things exist not in Christians which they are not ignorant do exist in themselves, and at the same time may blush in accusing. I will not say the best, themselves being the worst, but those who are now, on their own shewing, their compeers. We will answer, touching all the things severally, which we are said to commit in secret, which are openly discovered against us, in which we are accounted wicked, in which foolish, in which to be condemned, in which to be laughed at. But since, when the truth of our cause meeteth you at every turn, the authority of the laws is at last set up against it, so that it either is said that nothing must be reconsidered after the laws have decided, or the necessity of obedience is unwillingly preferred to truth, I will first contend with you about the laws as with the guardians of the laws, and first, when ye harshly determine, saying, It is not lawful that ye should exist, and prescribe this law without any gentler reconsideration, ye avow violence and an unjust despotism from within your stronghold. If ye therefore say it is unlawful because ye will have it, not because it ought to be unlawful, but if, because it ought not to be, therefore ye will not have it lawful, doubtless that ought not to be lawful, which is ill done, and surely it is, even hereby already determine that what is well done is lawful. If I shall find that to be good, which your law hath forbidden, is it not by this previous determination disabled from forbidding me, that which, if it were evil, it would justly forbid? If your law hath erred, it was devised, methinks, by man, for it hath not dropped down from the sky. Do we wonder that man could either err in framing a law, or that he should become wiser in disallowing it? Why? 
Did not the amendments by the Lacedaemonians in the laws of the Lycurgians himself inflict such pain upon their author that in retirement he condemned himself to starve to death? Do not even ye, as experience throweth light upon the darkness of antiquity, lop and cut down with the new axes of imperial rescripts and edicts all that old and slovenly forest of laws? Did not Severus, the steadiest of princes, repeal but yesterday, after an old age of such high authority, those most foolish laws of Papias, which enforce the bringing up of children, before that those of Julius do the contracting of marriage? But there were laws, too, after a time, that men cast in a suit might be cut in pieces by the creditors. Yet was this cruelty afterwards erased by public consent, the punishment of death being exchanged for a mark of disgrace? The confiscation of goods resorted to would rather have this effusion than the effusion of a man's blood. How many laws still lurk behind, needing to be purified? It is not length of years, nor the worth of their founders, which commendeth them, but equity alone, and therefore, when they are acknowledged to be unjust, they are justly condemned, although condemning. Why call we them unjust? Yea, if they punish in name, we call them foolish also. But if doings, why in our case do they punish doings, on the score of a name alone, which in others they maintain must be proved by the act, not by the name? Quote, I am guilty of incest, unquote. Why do they not examine me, quote, of child murder, end quote. Why do they not exhort the proof? Quote, I commit some act against the gods, against the Caesars, end quote. Why am I not heard? Who have whereby to clear myself? No law forbiddeth that to be thoroughly sifted, which it forbiddeth to be done. For neither doth a judge punish justly, unless he know that an act which is not unlawful hath been committed, nor doth a citizen obey the law honestly, not knowing what sort of thing it be which he punisheth. No law ought to satisfy itself merely of its own justice, but those also from whom it expecteth obedience. But the law is suspicious if it will not have itself proved, and reprobate if unapproved, it domineereth. To treat somewhat of the origin of the kind of laws, there was an ancient decree, that no god should be consecrated by the emperor, unless approved by the senate. Witness Marcus Aemilius, in the case of his own god, Albernus. This also maketh for our cause, that with you, deity is measured according to the judgment of man. A god, unless he please man, shall not be a god. Man will now be obliged to be propitious to a god. Tiberius, therefore, in whose time the name of Christ entered into the world, laid before the Senate, with his own vote, to begin with, things announced to him from Palestine and Syria, which had there manifested the truth of the divinity of that person. The Senate, because they had not themselves approved it, rejected it. Caesar held by his sentence, threatening peril to the accusers of the Christians. Consult your annals, there ye will find that Nero was the first to wreck the fury of the sword of the Caesars upon this sect, now springing up especially at Rome. But in such a first founder of our condemnation we even glory, for whoever knoweth him can understand that nothing save some great good was condemned by Nero. Domitian, too, who was somewhat of a Nero, in cruelty, had tried it, but forasmuch as he was also a human being, he speedily stopped the undertaking even restoring those whom he had banished. Such have ever been our persecutors, unjust, impious, infamous, whom even yourselves have been wont to condemn, by whom whosoever were condemned ye have been wont to restore. But out of so many princes thenceforward to him of the present day, 
who had any savor of religion and humanity, shew us any destroyer of the Christians. But we, on the other hand, have one to shew who protected them, if the letters of that most august emperor Marcus Aurelius be inquired of, wherein he testifieth of that drought in Germany removed by the shower obtained by the prayers of the Christians who chanced to serve in his army. As he did not openly take off the penalty from the men of that sect, so in another way he openly made away with it by adding a sentence, and a more horrid one, against the accusers also. What sort of laws then be those which only the impious, the unjust, the infamous, the cruel, the foolish, the insane, execute against us, which Trajan, in part foiled by forbidding that the Christians should be inquired after, which no Adrian, though a clear searcher into all things curious, no Vespasian, though the vanquisher of the Jews, no pious, no Verus, hath pressed against us. Surely the worst of men, it might be thought, ought to be readily more rooted out by the best, as being their antagonists than by their own fellows. End of Apology of Tertullian, Section 1